except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you, for he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, not all of you are clean. Verse 12, when he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should also do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would speak to your people now and bless them as they hear and obey because of your sacrifice on the cross for us. Lord, anoint my lips. Lord, give me your words, your way. Lord, your wisdom in Jesus' name. Amen. Most of us are not wired to serve. I know that I am not wired to serve. Most of us do not come out of the womb thinking, oh, how can I serve others? Most of us come out of the womb thinking, oh, how can others serve me? This was never more evident than just last Monday. That's right, last Monday. Your servant here was leading his family in a family night. And I have four children. I have a, now a son-in-law. And I have another guy that hangs around my house a lot, which I don't know why he's hanging around a lot, so... We're, we're, up to, we're up to six people here that I'm responsible for. You understand what I'm saying? Along with the wife. And so your humble servant was seated at dinner, you know, just ruling over my kingdom. We were having a wonderful dinner, great meal, lots of laughs. And uh, a little bit after dinner, we, we, we did a little calendar. So I was leading, I was serving. And right about when we finished calendar, about 7.05, you know, my, my serving others quotient was filled. You understand what I'm saying? So it was time for Al to serve Al. And so I just, I just flipped open my laptop, logged on to ESPN.com, and began to read about Tim Tebow's concussion, whether he'd play against LSU last night, you know, and totally ignored my family for the next hour and a half. Well... Tuesday morning, I was driving my son to the co-op that uh, I take him to and, you know, dropped him off at the co-op and was serving at the co-op, you know, being Mr. Janitor Man there at the co-op. And about 8.30, I get this phone call from my wife. Hey, Al. Hey, listen, I just finished having some time with your daughters. I just want to give you a heads up that maybe last night you didn't quite serve us the way the Lord would have wanted you to serve. And they're, they're a little bit hurting, and they, they certainly would have liked to have shared with you, you know, especially the daughter that has that guy hanging around the house a lot that's, you know, interested in her and, and the other daughter. And, um, and I was just so convicted, so convicted. And thank the Lord that night at 7 when I, you know, had come to the end of the day. You know, you know folks, you come to the end of the day, you've been serving people all day, working all day, and it's your time, right? You deserve a break today, so everybody else, get away. You know, I'm going to watch TV, whatever. Instead of doing that on Tuesday night, I was able to draw my daughter out, and we went to Starbucks, and we had a great conversation. 
Why do I share that? Because we are wired, dear friends, to serve ourselves. Most of us work very hard in our lives to finally get to the day where we don't have to mow our own lawn, wash our own cars, cook our own dinners. That's what we consider true greatness. When I've got the money, I can hire that out to everyone else. Because, you know, we just don't like to serve, do we? We don't consider servants as the greatest. And in this narrative, this morning, Jesus is saying to us that serving others is not only what we ought to do, but what we must do in light of what he did for us. That's what this passage is about. That's what this passage hooks in my heart. And that's what I pray this passage would hook in your hearts as well. Jesus here gives us an example. And here is what he's saying to us in this passage. Serve one another as I have served you. Serve one another as I have served you. If you have a copy of the notes, the propositional statement is, serve one another as Jesus served us. Serve one another as Jesus served us. He washed our feet and he calls us to wash one another's feet, metaphorically speaking. I don't believe that's a literal washing of one another's feet, although it may include that at times. But what it means is serving one another. And it's very important for us to not just walk away with a moralistic teaching of serving one another, but it's very important for us to drop into the redemptive context of Jesus' action of washing his disciples' feet. So if you have the notes, point number one, why did Jesus wash the disciples' feet? What was going on there? Well, if you look at verse 1, one of the first things you're going to be able to tell is that this foot washing occurred right before the Passover meal. So this would be Thursday night. Passover begins for the Jew at sundown on Thursday night. It ends at sundown on Friday. Anybody know what happened on Friday? Yeah, the cross. So this is Thursday night. So this is the night where every Jew would celebrate the Passover meal, where they would celebrate the fact that thousands of years earlier, a lamb was slaughtered, its blood was put on the doorpost so that they could go free. Jesus, being the Lamb of God, is going to fulfill that, and he's going to celebrate the Passover meal. But right before celebrating it, he is going to wash his disciples' feet. That's what verse 1 says says there. Now, before the feast of the Passover... Before the feast of the Passover. Now, it's very important to get the redemptive context. Jesus washed the disciples' feet in anticipation of his climactic Passover act as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. You must get that. In fact, if you want to jot down a passage, it's John 1.18. You can jot that down right next to that first point. John 1.18, I believe it's 1.18, where John points at Jesus and says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. If it's not an 18, it's right around 18. It's in John 1. And, and, and uh, John, the Baptist says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So why did Jesus wash their feet? So he could point to the fact that the next day he would wash their souls by dying on the cross. So he washed his, their feet Thursday night 
because he would wash their souls Friday afternoon. He would humble himself to wash their feet Thursday night because he was going to humble himself even further by dying a cruel death for them on Friday afternoon. Do not miss that. Do not miss that. Now, Al, where do you get that? Well, look at verse 1b. When Jesus knew that his hour had come, Corey taught us from Scripture several weeks ago that his hour definitely speaks of the cross. So Jesus did this knowing that the hour would come. He did this anticipating that the hour would come to depart out of this world to the Father. Jesus washed the disciples' feet to point to the cross where he would wash their soul. But why did Jesus wash their feet? Because he wanted to communicate to them his love. Oh, I pray this morning that you would receive the love of God through this message. He wants to communicate his love to you. Look what it says in verse 1c. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Jesus washed their feet to show them that he loved them. Do you see his love in the foot washing? You can only see it if you understand the death on the cross to which the foot washing was pointing. This morning's foot washing is every bit about the death on the cross that Jesus would suffer for you and for me. That's his love. That's what makes it so amazing. And you know what else makes it so amazing? Look at verse 2. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus is going to wash the feet of one of his betrayers. But then look at verse 3. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, here's what makes it so amazing. Jesus could have defeated Satan right there on the spot in a flashy show of power. Because that scripture tells us that all things were in his hands, to include Satan, given to him by the Father. But instead of defeating Satan through a showy force of power, which, was, which would have been how I would have chosen, he said, you know what? I'm going to lay aside that privilege. I'm going to get down on my knees and wash their stinking feet. Trust me, they had stinking, nasty feet back then. Because I want them to see that the next day I'm going to hang on a cross in agony and suffer. And that is the way I'm going to defeat Satan. And that's the way of the Christian. We do not win through flashy shows of power. We win through humble acts of servant obedience and sacrifice. That, my friend, that's Christianity. That's what Jesus did. That's why he washed their feet. Do you see his love for you this morning? Let me, just, let me just share one other scripture before we move to the second point. Jesus' love, God's love for you, according to 1 John 4, verse 10. The same evangelist who wrote the Gospel of John wrote 1 John. Listen to what he says in 1 John four ten. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation. That means someone who takes away the wrath of another and gives us the favor we don't deserve. That's what Jesus did on the cross. 
who, who came to be a propitiation for our sins. Oh, friend, the foot washing anticipates the cross, which reveals God's love for his people. Please take a long, hard look at both the foot washing and the cross this morning and ask yourself this question. Am I one of God's people? I'll give you a hint. If you're amazed by his love and drawn to God by Christ's death on the cross as prefigured in the washing of the disciples' feet, then you, you are. You probably are. If you're not, I doubt it. I doubt it. May God have mercy on your soul, dear friend, in light of the glories of Christ's sacrifice. Oh, cry out to the Savior this morning. Now, before I move on to point two, and we drop into the exact details of the foot washing, I've got to bring to your attention one verse. Because as we look at verses 4 through 11, you've got to know something, and that's verse 14. John 13, 14, Jesus very clearly interprets for us the meaning and moral implications of his foot washing. And here's what he said, John 13, 14, If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Jesus' command this morning to us, as captured in the propositional statement, is that we serve one another. The metaphor here is washing one's uh, feet. Uh, We serve one another as he served us. So please keep that in mind as we look at the amazing narrative of Jesus' shocking service in washing the disciples' nasty feet. Point two. Jesus served the disciples by washing their feet. See, in first century Palestine, uh, people walked long distances on dusty roads, and their feet were terrible. Their feet were always in terrible shape. Dirty, nasty, diseased, cracked, filled with all kinds of rashes and fungus, and just really, really horrible things. So people's feet hurt, and they were dirty. So it was your responsibility, if you had a big meal, to make sure their feet were washed. Now, here's... Here's the deal. Foot washing prior to a meal was the custom. And it was so bad that not even a a Jewish slave was allowed to do it. So if you had a slave in your house, you know, you were one of those people that finally had enough money. You know, you know the kind. They don't mow their own lawns. They don't wash their own cars. They don't cook their own meals, right? Like what you want. And you can hire out everything, okay? I mean, even people to wash your clothes, whatever, you know? You would hire out someone to wash other people's feet when they came to your house for dinner. Basically, the way they would do it is back then in the Middle East, they would sit on the floor on mats right underneath a low table. You kind of lean on your left arm. Your feet would be out behind you. And this servant would come and wash your feet. It's very, very dirty. When you hired that servant, if you were a Jew, you would not hire a Jewish servant. That's how nasty it was. You would hire the lowest Gentile servant you can find. This was the lowest of the lowest. You get in the picture? Okay. This was the custom. And so in verse 4, we read that Jesus rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments, John 13, 4, and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Do you hear the shock going through the room? They all expected their feet to be washed. They were all in a posture, in a position of being served, 
What they did not expect is the leader, the number one dude, the honcho, the master, the teacher, the one and only, the one who had just walked through the streets of Jerusalem as a rock star the Sunday before, gets up and fulfills that role. Now here's the point. Jesus rose from his comfortable position at the table to serve his followers by washing their feet. He had to move from a position of being served to a position of serving. And so do we, folks. Remember I told you, remember John 13, 14? Jesus said, as I have washed your feet, go wash one another's feet. Metaphorically speaking, let's serve one another. The application of this message is you and I have to move from a posture of being served to a posture of serving. Guys, with shame, I tell you, the posture of my heart last Monday night was to be served. And Tuesday night, I was even more tired and didn't feel well. And I was even more interested in whether Tim Tebow would play against LSU last night. And I wanted to watch, I wanted to read for two hours and watch, you know, all kinds of uh, analysts about college football and pro football. I I didn't want to think. It had been a long day of thinking and counseling and praying and crying with people. And when 7 o'clock came, dude, I I was reclining at table. Servant, come wash my feet. And God's tapping me on the shoulder and say, go from a posture of being served to a posture of serving. That's the point, friend. What's the posture of your heart right now? In preparing himself to serve his disciples, notice that it says that Jesus took off his outer garments. Do you see that? Jesus had to remove his outer garments. Verse 4b, he laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Now, this expression, taking a towel, I need to explain to you. This towel was really more like a long garment. If you can imagine a towel, it's more like a bathrobe. Okay? So it's a big towel. And this would have been the classic garb or dress for the menial Gentile servant. And it was so long that you could wrap it around yourself and there was this whole other section that you used to dry people's feet with. So Jesus, in order to serve, had to, had to prepare himself to serve. He had to go for a posture of being served to serving and then he had to actually prepare himself to serve. Are you preparing yourself to serve? Are you studying Are you dressing yourself in the lowly garb of a menial Gentile slave to serve your brothers and sisters? Are you taking off the mighty garments of your greatness (laughs) and putting on the humble garments of a servant? Oh, friends, Jesus did it. Don't you see the parallel here? That Jesus, in taking off the garments, his outer garments of a rabbi, of a teacher, of an honored one, and putting on the towel of a menial Gentile slave, don't you see that as a picture of God taking off the privilege of his divinity, not his divinity, but the privilege of his divinity, putting on the humble garments of a slave and taking on humanity? Don't you think that's what Jesus did when he left heaven and became a baby whose diapers had to be changed? 
Don't you think that's what Philippians 2 means? In verse 5, when it says the following, and write that down, Philippians 2, 5, next to point 2. Listen to this. Philippians 2, 5. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Verse 6. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not account equality with God a thing to be grasped, i.e., divested himself of the privileges of divinity, not being divine. He was God, is God, never ceased being God, but divested himself as the privileges of it, left heaven and took on the garb and the form of a humble servant slave to serve you and me. That's what it says here in verse 7. But made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Oh, friend, please let this excite your heart. Let this thrill you. Let this amaze you. And being found in the human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Here's the deal. Here's the application. The distance between God and a humble slave might as well be the distance between here and the moon. The distance between the most talented, wisest, smartest, richest one of us and the, 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 the poorest slave, ignorant slave in this world is maybe the distance from this side of the pulpit to there. So from here to the moon is the distance Jesus descended from being divinity to now divinity clothed in humanity to serve you, dear friend. You. The distance he's asking you to humble yourself is maybe like this. Actually, for most of us, it'd be from here to about here. But take the, the most powerful, richest, smartest person in the world. Equate them to the lowliest, most ignorant, uneducated peasant in some very poor country. That's maybe the distance. So here's the question. Is there something beneath you that you're just too good to do? Is, oh, Al, I I don't know. I don't know. I'm just not called to do that. Here's my appeal to you. Whether it's in this church, in your home, in the community, at work. Find a place where you can take off your pride and your ostentatiousness and what you think you should do. And you can put on the lowest place and go serve there where the need is greatest. Because remember, that's what Jesus said. You see, Peter, (laughs) Peter and the disciples, they didn't get what I just said. They, they, they did not get the cross. Remember, it was Peter who said, when Jesus said, I'm going to go and die on a cross, and Peter said, no, no, you're not going to die on a cross. You're going to go wipe out the Romans, and you're going to lead us. You're going to be the great leader of Israel. How can the great leader die on a cross? And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Well, it's the same Peter in our narrative here in verse 8 who says, you shall never wash my feet. Now, why did he say that? Why did he say that? Because Peter did not understand the cross. He could not understand the foot washing. They were related. Peter's saying, 
Jesus, how could you be the one washing my feet? If anything, one of us knuckleheads that's waiting for our feet to be washed should be jumping up to wash feet. I mean, if our host forgot, didn't have the money for the Gentile slave to wash our feet, fine, I'll give a couple of bucks. Let's get the slave in here. Worst case scenario, I'll wash everybody's feet. I mean, back then, not even, peers did not wash each other's feet. That's how bad it was. But you, you shouldn't be the one. And Jesus is saying to him in this text, look at here, back to verse 7, Jesus answered him, what I'm doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Then Peter says in verse 8, you shall not wash my feet. And then Jesus answers him in, in verse 8b, if I do not wash you, you have no share in me. See, what, Jesus, what Peter doesn't understand is, Peter, what you need is not a big bad Messiah who's going to deliver you from Rome. What you need is a servant Messiah who's going to deliver you from sin. So I'm going to wash your heart on the cross tomorrow. In order to do that, you must let me wash your feet today. They're connected. And when Peter says, hey, wash my head, my hands, he says, I don't need to wash all that. Once you've been washed by the blood, my blood on the cross, you're clean. I mean, Peter's just going like, huh? Like, past the lamb. You know, I don't understand this. I'm just a dumb fisherman. You know what's really cool? Is in about 40 days, he's going to stand up, or 50 days, he's going to stand up and preach one heck of a sermon on Pentecost. 3,000 people are going to get saved because he's going to say with tears in his eyes, I know I needed to be washed by this guy because I denied him three times. He did. And I'm so grateful he washed me. He needs to wash you. Come on. Come on, and 3,000 got dunked in the water. They were washing them, man. Washing them, washing them, washing them. Not that that saved them, but they're washing them because Jesus washed them on the cross because Peter understood that when you wash my feet, that means you wash my soul. Has he washed you, Jack? Has he washed you? Do you think you need to be washed? Do you? Oh, you do. Now, what does it mean here when at the end of it he says, hey, wash my head, my hands, everything. He says, oh, no, no, you're already washed, but you don't need to be washed except for your feet. Do you see that? What does that mean? Look at that in verse um, 10. Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except his feet, but he's completely clean. What does that mean? Hey, Jesus, Jesus wait, wait, am I fully washed or am I not fully washed? Well, what's this deal with my feet? Okay, here's the deal. See if you can hang with this for a second, all right? Jesus fully washes you at Calvary. It's called justification one time, okay? But according to Scripture, that full washing, which God sees us as fully righteous, doesn't prevent us from doing what, like every once in a while? Yeah, I mean, I know for you, like probably every week or so, you probably sin, right? For the rest of us, it's like every moment. But, but, for, but for most of you, it's like maybe once a week. So what, does, what needs to happen when you sin? Do you need to be rewashed, regenerated, re-justified, re-saved at the cross every time? No, we don't believe that. But what do you need to do? That's a good question. 1 John 1.9 is where you need to run for that. Write that down real quick so you don't forget it. 1 John 1.9. Hopefully it'll appear here on the overhead. 1 John 1.9 says the following. 1 John 1, 9, same guy that wrote Gospel of John wrote 1 John, same Holy Spirit inspired him. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, 
He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So what Jesus is saying is the following. You need to be washed from your sins once and for all, justification. And after you've been washed from your sins, you need to daily go to the Lord and say, Lord, please forgive me for that sin and confess it like I did that Monday night, last Monday night. And he will wash you from that and help you walk in the righteousness that he's won for you. Hopefully you see that. That's a great point. So my friend, if you are presently in that place of needing to be washed, I pray that you would go to the Savior and be washed because you know verse 11 really moves me. Go back to John 13, 11. Listen to what John, Jesus says to Peter. For he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, not all of you are clean. Do you realize that Jesus washed Judas's feet? Can you imagine, and the Bible says that, that Satan had already put it in Judas's heart to betray Jesus. Can you imagine Judas sitting there having his feet washed by the guy he's going to betray and have killed the next day? But you know what that speaks to me of? The love of God. He washes the feet of the traitor who will betray him. Friend, if you're betraying the Savior right now, please feel him washing your feet and calling you to accept not only the washing of your feet, but the washing of your soul at the cross and humbly repent. There's time. There's time. There's time. Point three. We've been making this running commentary throughout, so in essence, there's probably no need to make it, but let's make it because we're all knuckleheads and we need it to be made. Yes. Verse 12. And when... He, Jesus, had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place. He said to them, do you understand what I've done for you? Can you imagine they're all going, no. And notice he doesn't wait for an answer, you know. (laughs) He just, it's sort of rhetorical. Do you understand what I've done for you? Verse 13, you call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. You honor me as your teacher and Lord. I am, listen, I'm not just your teacher. I am Lord Curios. I am king of kings. I'm lord of lords. I'm the very God of very gods. I'm the top. There is eternal, immortal, immutable. I've always been. I always will be. I am the man. Okay? Now look what he says after that. Verse 14. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. If I who live on the moon came down from the moon right to the stage to wash Al's feet, do you think you can step? (laughs) Me to the moon is where God came. Can you think you can just step down one and wash one another's feet? I don't know, Lord. Let me think about it. Let me pray about that one, Lord. I I I don't know if I can serve in children's ministry. I mean, it's only kids, you know. I mean, come on, Lord. You know, I I don't know if I can clean the bathrooms. Stack chairs? Work on the setup team? Um, I mean, you know, I, 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 think, I think of folks like Zeke and Jenny who, who perform regularly for big audiences and musically are very trained. And I think of them joyfully saying, we'd love to be one of the teams that leads the children in children's worship on November 1st. I mean, Jenny's voice is amazing. If you didn't hear her voice at the talent show, amazing. Zeke can play, man. Dude is trained. And he's going to go take that. And they're going to go to little kids who will be picking their nose and elbowing each other and laughing and bumping around. And, and they're going to, he's, they're going to, how did I get down here? Goodness. And, and they're going to, guys, I got a little too close to Nathan, man. I got a little afraid there. 
and feel them breathing on me, you know. Uh, and, and they're going to use that gift to serve. I, you know, I think of Denise Krasinski. You know, this morning she's got the headset on. She's, she's been trained now to be one of the producers here up on the front to help, you know, communicate. You know, she's, she's a nurse. She's a gifted woman. Last week, I think she got here at 8 in the morning. I think she left at 8 at night because we had the talent show. I mean, just, you know, I'm just thinking, wow. No one knows that. No one's going to see Zeke. They're going to be back there. No one's going to be, they're not going to be an American Idol. Her voice is an American Idol quality voice. No one's going to watch her on TV. No one's going to give her big bucks. We certainly aren't going to give big bucks, you know. Uh, That's why they call them volunteers. And, you know, so... But, but the Lord would say, that's greatness. And, and they would tell you, they're doing it because my Lord washed my feet. No, no, he washed my soul on the cross. And I don't do this to gain my Lord's favor. I do it because I have it. I do it because I have it. I do it because I have it. Oh, dear friends. Corey spoke it so well, didn't he, a couple of weeks ago? In John 12, he said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Krasinski and Tyler and James are right there. I mean, those guys did a great job at the talent show. James, back there, first time ever, man. It was flawless. No one saw him back there. But when you die... You bear fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, verse 25 of John 12. Whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. He must follow me. Dear friends, serve one another as Jesus served us. Why? Because of what Jesus said in verse 16. Back to John 13, 16. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master. We're his servants. He's our master. Nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. He's the one who sent us. We didn't send ourselves. No emissary, that's us, has the right to think he is exempt from tasks cheerfully undertaken by the one who sent him. And no slave has the right to judge any menial task beneath him after his master has already performed it. Nothing more menial than washing people's feet and hanging naked on a cross. So what's too menial for you, my friend? Please tell me, why the attitude? Well, finally, this sermon ends in verse 17. John 13, 17. If you know these things, blessed are you if you say amen. No, it doesn't say that. I mean, I'm glad you said amen. (laughs) Didn't mean to set you up there, whoever said amen. (laughs) I want you to say amen, okay? I like amen. You can be more vocal, by the way. It doesn't bother me. It doesn't, as you can tell, I'm loud. No, no, what does it say? Verse 17. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. The blessing is not in the hearing, but in the doing. Now, you have to hear to do, unless you can read minds, which if you can, please don't tell me about it. It is not for those who say a hearty amen, but for those who say, oh my, how I need to repent how Alpino needs to repent on a Monday so he doesn't do this again. Last couple of Mondays have not been good for Alpino. It's been the Alpino show. It's been the I deserve a break today. Everybody else get away. I'm going to, not McDonald's, but ESPN.com. 
And I, pray for me that this Monday would be different. Pray for me this Monday would be different. It's not enough for me to say amen to this. It's not enough for me to preach this. I have to do it, and I want to do it, because Jesus did it for me. That's the application. That's the application. You should have some application questions in your notes, but right now what I'd like to do is I'd love to apply this message by receiving with you Holy Communion. So ushers, would you please stand? Band, would you please join me up here? Friends, Jesus came to die on the cross to wash us clean of our sins. He symbolized this in washing his disciples' feet. He actualized it by dying on the cross for them the next day. Here's my question. Are you one of those disciples? Have you accepted his foot washing? No, let me say this. His sin-redeeming sin washing on the cross. Have you accepted that servanthood? of Christ for you? Have you obeyed his command to allow him to wash you clean? If so, then I invite you to participate in communion this this morning. If not, I warn you, this isn't for you. Now, I'm about to pray, and I'm going to ask the Lord to bless the elements, and I'm going to ask the Lord to give those here who would not be washed by the blood of Jesus because of his act on the cross, who have rejected and betrayed him, played your own games, thought you didn't need it, been cold, whatever your deal is, it's not impressive. What's impressive is that God died for you on the cross. And so I'm going to pray for you that you would receive that. And if you do receive that, then by all means, take and eat. If you don't, please don't. And let this cause your heart to be miserable until you do. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the boldness, the shocking service that your son, your son did for us. We are not as shocked as they would have been because we don't understand it, Lord, but but that he washed their feet like the lowliest of the lowest servants. Lord, we have a better idea of someone dying naked and writhing in agony on a cross by washing their sin the next day and ours. Lord, wash me. Lord, thank you for cleansing me. Father, I pray that if there are those in this room right now that have resisted and had a hard heart and just had a a mocking heart, would you come in and gently touch their feet, their heart, And let them see you on your knees. Let them see you hanging on a cross. And let it break their hard heart. Oh, Father. And if that's you, just cry out to the Father. He he will hear you. He's giving you the grace to cry out. And, and, And ask him to forgive you. And receive the cleansing of Christ on the cross for you. Lord, thank you for that. And for those of us that know you, Lord, we we come to be washed afresh, as it were, freshly to experience your forgiveness for my selfishness. It wasn't just last Monday. There are several incidences in my mind, to include last night, where I served me rather than you and others. Lord, forgive me, and may I serve as you served me.